everybody. Welcome to Coffee, Crime, and Storytime. I'm Denny Hill, and I am so excited you are here with me today. My mug is full and steaming, and I am ready to go. Sometimes when I'm trying to decide what to cover next, it strikes me at the oddest moments. This time, it was in the grocery store. The checkout lines were enormous, so I had nothing to do but people watch, which, if I'm being honest, is one of my favorite hobbies. So, anyway, as I'm watching the generally frustrated other shoppers and the stressed out cashiers, I see it happen in slow motion. Kid, two aisles to my left, who's been juggling a large uh, jug of V8, you know, back and forth, hand to hand, while his mom is looking at his brother on the other side, and bam, it hits the floor, spicy V8 everywhere, the mom is yelling, the kid is crying, a harried supervisor starting to clean up, and the woman in front of me looks back over her shoulder and says, it looks like a bloodbath. Hello, inspiration. So with that, I bring you one of the stories that lives in my brain rent-free. Favorite feels like a terrible word here, so we're going to say for me, it has always been one of the most intriguing accounts in history. Today, we are going to talk about the infamous blood countess, Elizabeth Bowtery. You've probably heard it pronounced as Bathory. That's what most people say but the proper period pronunciation is Bowtery. Nonetheless, the Countess Elizabeth was born on August 7th, 1560, in the Great Northern Plain region of Hungary, otherwise known as Transylvania, which is now part of modern-day Romania. George Bowtery, her father, was a man of enormous wealth that actually exceeded that of the Hungarian King Matthias. Her mother, Anna Bautery was the oldest sister of the Polish King Stefan, and George was actually Anna's third husband. So all of this means enormous amounts of money, while also uniting two powerful branches of family and continuing the age-old tradition of interbreeding, which was common during that time. Elizabeth was extremely educated and could speak four languages. By the age of 11, she was engaged to Ferenc Nadesti. He was the son of another Hungarian aristocrat, and she then moved to live with the family of her future husband at Nadesti Castle, which is in the extreme western portion. So here's the kicker. Because her family was higher in status, when she and Ferenc married on May 9th, 1575, he took the last name of Bautery. Now, this man was not without his own wealth. His wedding gifts to Elizabeth were their home, Chatika Castle, along with an expansive country home and the 17 villages adjacent. Now, that, my friends, is a wedding gift. So, now, another word on her husband. He was dubbed the nickname the Black Knight. This is not an exclusive nickname. It's actually been bestowed on numerous people throughout history. But I'll explain how he earned this moniker for himself. Within three years of their marriage, 
he became the chief commander of the Hungarian soldiers in the war against the Turks during what was called the Long War. It's a really ingenious name, right? It's said that he took great pleasure in torturing the prisoners to the point of even devising his own methods. And he then taught them to Elizabeth, who shared her husband's appetite. It's even gone as far to be suggested that she was far more vicious and his presence actually held her back from being as sadistic as she could be. You see, he was the one who gave her her first taste at such torture. Prior to their wedding, in between their engagement and their marriage, it was rumored she was pregnant by someone of a lower station. So she was secluded to give birth to what would be a daughter, and Ferenz had the father castrated and had a pack of dogs set on him to tear him apart. Apparently this was a common thing, but this act set the spark to flame for Elizabeth. While Ferenz was away at war, Elizabeth began running the castle, and the rumors began to spread. Staff from the castle would go to the villages to recruit ladies to the royal household. But the village was concerned because these ladies, these daughters and sisters, they never returned home again. Elizabeth had a small team of servants who she treated terribly, but there's one who stands out. Her name was Anna Darvulia. Anna, according to documents, was said to be a witch and also sadistic, and she fostered Elizabeth's love of torture. Some examples of these are they would take servant girls outside in the middle of the harsh winter and have them lie naked in the snow while they poured cold water over them and waited for them to freeze. Once frozen, they were left to die. In the spring, they'd be brought out in high heat, stripped and covered in honey, and would watch as the insects ate them apart. Eventually, a room was made in the bowels of the castle so that torture could be for all seasons, I guess. Elizabeth would have the mouths of servants sewn shut. She would have things shoved under their fingernails. You see where I'm going here. The worst kinds of torture. In 1604, Ferenz died and arranged that Elizabeth and she and Ferenz's kids would be left in the care of his cousin George, who was also a very powerful man. It is believed that Elizabeth had truly loved Ferenz, and his death had an effect on her as well. She was prone to bouts of depression, but this only magnified her desire for torture. It's unknown how the idea came to her, but she believed human blood would keep her young and make her healthy. You have to wonder if maybe her interest in remaining healthy and remaining young in the fear to die has to do with her own husband's death. There are a few different theories on this. So Elizabeth began to have Anna bring the servants to her quarters where she would burn them, cut them, even bite them. But as this continued, there were less lowly women from the village to call into the household. 
So Elizabeth moved on to the ladies of nobility, you know, up the chain of importance of wealth from bottom to top. Now, rumors made their way to the king of Hungary, who sent an advisor to inquire. This inquirer was George Terzo, the cousin of her late husband, who had also been made her caretaker. By 1609, he had arrived by surprise and slowly began gathering evidence. Testimony came easy, as many were tired of losing their ladies. Some came forth with truth, some came forth with rumors, but eventually, the bodies began to be discovered, some still within the castle, and some in nearby graveyards abandoned. The process of the trial was a little harder despite all the uncovered evidence. Anna Darvulia died before the trial began, and she was one of the main players. The remaining servants and the countess herself were arrested. January of 1610, the trial was held, and they were charged with the murder via torture of approximately 80 servants. Now, one servant stated there was a journal stating all of the victims' names, but it was never submitted, and she claimed that the journal showed that there was more than 650 ladies, a much higher number than 80, obviously. But Elizabeth never actually went to trial due to her rank and standing. Her punishment was different. She lived the remainder of her life in her quarters. Every door and window was bricked up, no light, no visitors, just a slot for food. No execution, no trial, just a lonely life. August 21st, 1614, she was found dead in her quarters by one of her servants. The story of the Blood Countess has become a thing of legend, morphing through the centuries, the most prevalent being that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep her youth. The first recorded account of this was written in 1729. Three centuries have passed, and yet we still consider her the original Lady Dracula and one of the original symbols of the sin of vanity. Thanks again for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the story. As I've said, it's one of my favorites. Do you have a favorite or one you'd like to hear about? Let me know at coffeecrimestorytime at gmail.com. I look forward to reading your responses. And you can find me through social media on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok. And there's a Patreon page as well I'm working on to set you guys up with some fun extras. As it is now, I'll get started on my next pot of coffee and on to our next story. And as always, until next time.